Welcome back to Podcast 43 of 2022. I'm your host, Kiev O'Neill. You can follow me on Twitter at OBKiev. Follow us at The Ozbreakers and follow us on social media slash The Ozbreakers. This episode is being brought to you by BetRivers.com for a 100% sign-up bonus up to 250 bucks. Please visit BetRivers and use the promo code ODDS22. Terms, conditions, and location apply if you'd like to help Let's start with our cost sponsor, the website, the podcast. We'd love to help you out. Please visit theozbreakers.com, click shop, and become a member. Pick any of our handicappers to get their premium plays before the line moves. You can also support us on patreon.com. And if nothing else, please visit theozbreakers and become a free picks newsletter subscriber. I am back, my friends, from my lake house vacation in Manaqua and in Madison, Wisconsin. We visited some friends, had an absolute blast kids caught some fish got to do a lot of swimming only went rained uh really two days it was the fourth and really windy the day after on the fifth but it was uh a ton of stuff that we did made a lot of memories just really refreshed after that fun little time that i had with the family and uh now it's getting serious because football season is around the corner Today, I'm going to be going solo on this podcast because I have a lot going on this week. I am actually teaching a UFC betting class over at Sports Wagering U on Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. It is a free class as well for you guys if you want to learn how I bet the UFC, at least the fundamentals of it. There's going to be three classes afterwards that are paid for to be more advanced but if you want to get your feet wet in the UFC and you have the time, I'd really appreciate it if you guys could show up and uh, just kind of see what I'm doing and ask me any questions that you like when it pertains to the UFC. I actually had a very fr- profitable last few weekends of the UFC. Just last weekend alone was four in one. And uh, the train keeps going because the UFC happens all year round and uh, having a blast with it. And these fights have been absolutely amazing. We have a great event coming up this weekend with uh, Brian Ortega facing Yar Rodriguez. That's going to be a great main event UFC fight night, Ortega versus Rodriguez. I'm going to dip a little bit into this event at the end of the show giving out a free play and what i'm going to do for most of the show is talk about the nfl afc east and afc west division previews and season win totals those are the only ones i have not covered yet and so we're going to end it up here this week in the second week of july getting that done before I talk about the NFL. I want to talk a little bit about how the landscape has changed when it comes to sports betting, some of these sports, like the NFL. You know, when I was betting five, 10 years ago, it was almost somewhat safe to go place a bet before the game if you couldn't get your bet in earlier and if you still like that number. But these numbers move a lot more these days. It's all about the value that you have. Are you getting three at plus 
100 or you getting three at minus 120. These numbers all wash out in the end, and that's what makes the difference between a profitable sports better long-term and one that loses money. It is. You can look at people's records, and some of the best sites and tracking sites out there will tell you what your closing line value is. If you are beating the closing line value, chances are over time you're going to be a profitable sports better if you aren't already, or at least since you started using that tracking site, right? Now, if you're getting bad line value, you're going to most of the time have a negative EV and you will be a losing sports better as you could see on some of the public tracking sites as well. I think that's important to know because there's many options that you have when information comes out. You know, if a, a quarterback gets left out, but you procrastinated and didn't bet that side that you liked anyway, you knew he was questionable, right? So you bet the other side and then all of a sudden he's released out and you didn't bet it. Well, you just gave up some value there, right? You gave up some value. Many situations are like that. Offensive linemen can move the line a little bit, especially if it's when it comes to cluster injuries. If there's one or two offensive linemen already out and the third one is questionable, well, that's something you got to look at. You know, the offensive line is extremely important when it comes to the full unit, right? There's only a sixth or seventh lineman that's halfway decent enough to step in. When it comes to the eighth guy, the ninth guy coming in off a roster, it is a massive difference in how they can protect that quarterback and how they can run block in general, <laughs> you know? I've seen teams that had to use their fullbacks in guard positions before. So the point I'm saying is that the whole days of pick selling, that's great as long as the pick is released at that moment and if it sits there for a while and it's stale or if it was a number that nobody could ever get in the first place because the pick seller was, let's just say, dishonest and made his bet a day or two before, well, that's not the way I want to go about getting my plays if I'm looking to sports bet from an expert, right? The best way of doing it is being a member. And that's why the Odds Breakers has started with memberships over at our website. We love the membership model because you are getting the plays right when we are betting them. You know, we hope the line doesn't move too much, but sometimes it just takes one well-known better to start a chain reaction. And at the end of the whole thing, it ends up getting overbought or what we like to call oversteamed as it is if you want to be a good sports better look at the lines immediately when they're set up and do your handicapping early i start my handicapping for the following week of college saturday on saturday during the games i start adjusting my power range uh, immediately so sunday around one or two o'clock when those lines come out i am ready to fire same thing with the nfl Sometimes people will even bet the NFL a day before for the following week. I've been noticing more and more of that last year. But the best solution is to have the most options that you can at your fingertips because there's going to be times where the expected value tells you that you have to bet the other side once the line has become oversteamed or at least for half, right? You have to have a number in your mind when you're playing this and then you have to play the percentage, if there's a 5% middle, you have to take that middle. 
You know, it's just the way it is. And that's not going from necessarily the spread number. It's also going from where you think the number is. Now, I will say, if you're way off from the spread and you're still way above it, the chances are the market is more correct than you. So you still should, even if your number is farther away, maybe take a piece of it back when it passes the 5% threshold, right? Because betting on both sides of a number, you're giving up some juice, you're hedging your risk, you can only lose 4.55% of that single betting value as it is. Make sure that you manage your bankroll properly. And when you get started, if you start winning right away, that doesn't mean that you should be upping your bankroll. You keep it the same amount. Because what if you start your little losing streak you're going to go on, you just gave away all your profit and probably dug into your bankroll when you didn't have to do that in the first place. Have your bankroll set before. And if you want to make adjustments, do it after the year and when you're coming into the next year of that sport itself. That Hansel's so hot right now. All right, let's get into a little NFL, AFC East and AFC West previews to sum it up, round it off, so we can get into a little more college football and later some NFL preseason in the future podcasts. Let's start out with the AFC East was so close to make this Super Bowl last year, yet could not finish the job on the defense. But this is still one of the better divisions in football. Looking at the Patriots, how they made the playoffs with their new stud quarterback, Mac Jones, the way the Dolphins rebounded the second half of the season. The Jets are still the Jets, though. But uh, they also had a great draft, so we'll see what's going to happen with them. Um, Lots of talent. The AFC East plays the AFC North and the NFC North. That should be considered medium. The AFC North's a little bit, I would say, tougher for sure. I would expect Cleveland to still be okay there, even with Brissett with all their uh, with all their talent on that team. Baltimore's gonna be tough. Steelers should be over the Steelers, and Cincinnati was the Super Bowl contender last year. Let's see where these line these teams line up. I do like the fact that they get the Bears and the Lions from the NFC North. Number one. The Buffalo Bills. Vegas win total, 11.5. Juice to the over, minus 140. 2021 wins, 11. Pythagorean wins, 12.92. At-large games at the Rams, right away, Thursday night football, first game of the season, versus the Tennessee Titans and at Kansas City. Schedule last year was medium easy. Key losses, offense coordinator Brian Dayball, big. Defense tackle Harrison Phillips, cornerback Levi Wallace, defensive end Mario Addison, guard John Feliciano, quarterback Mitch Trubisky, backup. Wide receiver Cole Beasley is unsigned. Uh, Defense tackle star Latulili is unsigned, and I destroyed his name. Wide receiver Emmanuel Sanders, I believe, is unsigned. Now, I did write this before my vacation, so some of this might have changed, but um, I haven't heard anything. Key additions, quarterback Case Keenum 
for backup. Tight end O.J. Howard, Ed Rudsher, Von Miller, big name there. Defense tackle Daquan Jones, defensive tackle Tim Settle, guard Roger Saffold, defensive end Jordan Phillips, wide receiver Jameson Crowder, guard David Quessenberry. Key draft picks, cornerback Kyer Elam, running back James Cook, linebacker Terrell Bernard, wide receiver Khalil Shakir, and a bunch of dudes. Summary, the Bills were the Super Bowl favorite this year um, after what they did last year being so close with the Chiefs. Defensive coordinator Leslie Frazier really took the brunt of the blame, playing too much prevent in a game that just needed a field goal to push to overtime. I think that Leslie Frazier might be a head coach if it wasn't for that. Instead, it's Brian Dayball that left the team to become a head coach while his protege, Ken Dorsey, got promoted. I am slightly pessimistic here, but this offense should be able to pick up where it left off. I noticed that the Cole Beasley and Manuel Sanders thing, I don't like that so much. It's a red flag. I thought uh, Beasley just bailed out Allen so often, right? I think Emmanuel Sanders was a fantastic receiver too. I'm a little concerned for that, but Coach Doug McDermott's still there at least, and the road will be tough this year. 12 wins is a lot to get to, Um, and you can only afford to lose five games if that's the case. Splitting with Miami is kind of what you had, what I somewhat could see, and New England. And if they're splitting with Miami and New England, that only allows <clears throat> three losses. And they're playing the Rams, the Kansas City Chiefs. That could be two more losses. And the whole rest of the season, I have a strong lean to the under. Uh, my number is 10.46 wins. But Uh, Unless I get a 12, I'm probably not going to take it. I could see the Bills easily winning 11 games. So I'm going to lean to the under on this one. My power rating is seven points better than the average team in the NFL. That brings them to the highest in my power ratings. I have uh, the Bills, I have the Packers, I have the Cowboys, and I have the Rams, and then I have the Chiefs in my power ratings. So... Got to start somewhere with what they did. I think they should be the favorite to win the Super Bowl, but I am still a little concerned with uh, losing Beasley and with losing Emmanuel Sanders. They did at least pick up Jamison Crowder, and they have Gabriel Davis uh, right there as well. So we'll, they'll be a little bit thin on wide receiver. Let's move on to the number two team, which is the New England Patriots okay now their Vegas win total 8.5 juice to the over at minus 115 2021 wins were 10 so the market says possible regression here Pythagorean wins 12.12 they really underachieved last year at large games versus Indianapolis at Arizona and at Las Vegas schedule last year medium it's listed as medium hard this year but I question what Arizona is going to be, and I question um, how much of a home field advantage it is at Las Vegas. It's not that much. Key losses, cornerback J.C. Jackson, center Ted Karras, inside linebacker Kyle Van Noy, inside linebacker Donta Hightower, edge rusher Jamie Collins, key additions, wide receiver Devontae Parker, wide receiver Ty Montgomery, safety Jabril Peppers, 
and cornerback Terrence Mitchell. Key draft picks, guard Cole Strange, wide receiver Tyquan Thornton. I really like him. He's that speedy guy from Baylor, 4.2840. Cornerback Marcus Jones in a bunch of prayers. The Patriots surprised many last year. Ten nice wins. The most important thing is quarterback Mac Jones turned out. He came to look like the best out of his draft class. Now, it's obviously early, and Trevor Lawrence was set up for failure, but a lot more to shake out here, and uh, Mac's got Bill Belichick at his side. Now, the the Patriots, in saying that, did not do much in the offseason, really, to replace a lot of guys they're losing, and I don't like that. I was almost certain the Patriots were going to select a linebacker to replace one of the three studs, Hightower, Jamie Collins, and Van Noy. I'm kind of livid over this move even, and I think that they really might take a big hit on defense without a reputable linebacker. I do like what they have in Devontae Parker, getting him on the cheap, and if he can stay healthy, he is very good. And the offensive line should be okay this year, probably more to the good side with the you know playmaking tight ends they have still with Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry. But I have the Patriots taking a small step back from last year, but still over eight and a half wins. I have them at 9.06 wins. So I'm too close to the number. No play for me. The Patriots power rating is currently three points better than the average team and last year I had them at around the same thing I had them at three as well so I'm not going to move them based upon what they did with their linebackers but it's Belichick so you never know what's going to happen could be a great team for all we know number three the Miami Dolphins Vegas win total nine juice to the under can you believe the, the Dolphins win total is higher than the Patriots but it is juiced to the under at minus 125. Pythagorean wins last year was 7.6. Uh, 2021 wins, nine wins, and they didn't make the playoffs. Remember, they won 10 wins the year before and didn't make the playoffs, nine. Well, that's probably why their coach got fired. Schedule medium hard, at large versus Houston, at San Francisco, and at the L.A. Chargers. I do not like that schedule. I'd probably take the Patriots over this one. At San Fran, at L.A. Chargers, not good. And their schedule last year, easy. I believe it was the easiest schedule out of any team in the whole NFL. Yeah, yeah, team rankings at least has it that way. I believe Sagarin has it that way as well. So... Let's look at their key losses. Coach Brian Flores, obviously. Quarterback Jacoby Brissett, I suppose, and tackled Jesse Davis. They did not lose much at all. Key additions, coach Mike McDaniel, wide receiver Tyreek Hill, in that massive trade, left, left tackle Taron Armstead, wide receiver Cedric Wilson, center Connor Williams, running back Chase Edmonds, cornerback Keon Green, quarterback Teddy Bridgewater, to back up Tua, offensive linebacker, sorry, offensive outside linebacker Melvin Ingram, running back Raheem Mostert, running back Sonny Michelle. This team's going for it. Who they drafted? Not a lot. They gave up some picks. Linebacker Channing Tindall. That's really about it. 
looking what this team did in free agency, they are setting themselves up here. The question, obviously, is Tua. They did not care about their draft picks, but word on the street is Tua looks fantastic. But can we really trust a bunch of pumped-up beat writers and the media, as well as Tyreek Hill running his mouth on Tua? How do you trust all these guys, you know? Um, I mean, Tyreek Hill will say anything because the Chiefs didn't pay him what he wanted to, you know? So he's going to say, of course, this is great. Well, he's got to be careful because that could set to burn him later in the season. Remember, this team had an easy schedule last year. They started out horrible at 1-7 and seven and then somehow finished 9-8, and eight, right? What an absolutely crazy, unreal comeback. Unreal. But looking at this year is obviously different different story. Their ex- expectations are still pretty high. I do like the hire in Mike McDaniel only because I'm a Kyle Shanahan kind of guy, but that doesn't mean he is Kyle Shanahan. So I have to be careful in my assessments here. One thing to notice is that they at least get a third place schedule again, but the at large games just kind of kill me, right? I mean, third-place teams like San Fran and the Chargers, those were the best third-place in their division teams probably in the NFL. <laughs> you know, Of course, Houston wasn't. It's good they, good they got Houston. But, man, I think uh, that really got gave them the shaft. The first three at-large games don't even start until week 12. Their NFC North opponents have the Vikings and the Packers at home with the Bears and the Lions on the road, okay? I have to notice that their Pythagorean wins last year say they overachieved some, even with the massive comeback. I'm going to reward them for a nice offseason, but I have to factor in the schedule here and the fact that they are pretty healthy last year, okay? So with all my assessments and my numbers, I plugged them all in. And my number came up to 9.77 wins. So I'm still leaning over the nine wins here. I am slightly optimistic on this team, but two has got to be decent and he can't make some mistakes and he's got to stay healthy here. Okay. I don't like the fact that the Packers and Vikings are at home because that could be two really close losses. And then having the Bears and the Lions on the road makes those teams a little bit harder, even though they're supposed to be quite bad. So I just want to throw that out there. Lean over nine. My Dolphins power rating is actually 0.5. It's a half a point better than average is where I have their power rating right now. So I think that's fair because they were lower on the Pythag last year. They were lower in the power ratings uh, last year's power ring was minus 0. 0.75 is where they finished. So uh, we'll give them a little up, a bit of upgrade for what they did, but it's still two. I still need to see more out of him. Number four, the New York Jets, Vegas win total 5.5, juice to the over at minus 165. Pythagorean wins 4.6. Actual wins was four from 2021. Schedule, medium hard, actually. Too bad for the Jets, but... They get at Denver, which is a much improved fourth place team versus Jacksonville. That's a pretty improved 
fourth place team. And at Seattle, it should be a win, but it's at Seattle. Remember, the AFC gets the extra OA game versus the NFC this year. Schedule last year, medium easy. Key losses, defensive tackle, Foley Fatukasi. Free safety, Marcus May. Right tackle, Morgan Moses. Wide receiver, Jameson Crowder. Key additions, guard Lakin Tomlinson. Safety, DJ Reed. Tight end, CJ Uzuma. Uzoma, sorry. Tight end, Tyler Conklin. Safety, Jordan Whitehead. Outside linebacker, Jake Martin. Defensive end, Solomon Thomas. And kicker, Greg Legatron Zerline, who they drafted. Cornerback, Ahmad Sauce Gardner. Wide receiver, Garrett Wilson. Edge, Jermaine Johnson. So that's why they were looked at as the best draft. Just those three top guys. A lot of them had the three guys in their top 10. Running back, Brees Hall. And tight end, Jeremy Ruckert. Summary, according to my analysis, the Jets had the best draft. They also had a decent free agency, but that does not mean they can change the culture of the organization yet. That's the important part. I think the book's still out on Zach Wilson. He's small, thin, got some drama going on in social media. So <laughs> looks like he might have uh, cheated on his girlfriend with somebody his mom might know. I, I don't know if that's just whatever it just popped up on my thing <laughs> i try to read all the football stories i can but maybe you can check that out for me and let me know if there's any validity to that but he only ranked 31st in quarterback epa plus completion percentage over expectation the schedule shows hard and this is a hard division i have to think there might be some light at the end of the tunnel but it is weird that they have to play the whole afc north and the first for the first four games of their schedule. So they're playing the Ravens, the the Browns, the Bengals, and the Steelers, the first four games of their schedule, all in a row. I have no clue what to think of the Jets, to be honest with you. Um, I like Mike LaFleur. I think I like him. I mean, the younger brother, Matt LaFleur, right? And he's the, their OC under Salah. But I'm not. I'm probably not going to bet against them or for them until I know a little bit more. My number is 5.8 wins, so I'm slightly under six, but I'm over five and a half. I'm going to lean under the six because I think that's where I wrote it as six. Their power rating negative 6.75, but they're not even my worst team. One, two, three, four. I have four teams worse than them. I'm guessing since I said that, you want to hear that. Seattle, the Giants, Atlanta, and Houston. All right. That is all we have for the AFC East. And I am sorry, I don't have any concrete plays right now for you in the AFC East based upon my numbers being so close or close enough anyway to the season win totals. Let's move on to the AFC West. This conference was the best in the AFC last year, if not being the best in the whole NFL, right? I mean, that just depends upon how you view the NFC West. And it also, for this year, you know, we'll see which one finishes out top, but they're looked at as the top division, maybe with the NFC West second now. There's been some pretty big coaching changes with the Raiders and the Broncos, as well as the quarterback positions. Um, I mean, obviously, Russell Wilson, Come on, going to the Broncos. The AFC West plays the NFC West, which isn't good, as you know. 
and the AFC South, which is good. The AFC South, one of the worst divisions of football. The win totals are juiced up pretty high, though. They total to 39, which the average is 34 because you take 17 is a full schedule. Take half of that, 8.5 times 4, 34. So that would be average. Let's see what we can decipher here. Kansas City Chiefs, Vegas win total 10.5, 2021 wins 12. Pythagorean wins 11.01. Schedule hard at large at Tampa Bay versus Buffalo at Cincinnati. Schedule last year also hard. Key losses, wide receiver Tyreek Hill, cornerback Shatavius Ward, free safety Tyron Matthew, wide receiver Byron Pringle, outside linebacker Melvin Ingram, guard Austin Blythe, Defensive tackle Jaron Reed, cornerback Mike Hughes, strong safety Daniel Sorensen, running back Daryl Williams, and then also inside linebacker Anthony Hitchens, right tackle right Mike Remmers, guard Kyle Long, and defensive end Alex Okafor is not signed. That's a ton of people. Their key addition, safety Justin Reed, wide receiver Marquez Valdez-Scantling, wide receiver Juju Smith-Schuster. Key draft picks, cornerback Trent McDuffie, edge George Karlaftis, from Purdue there, wide receiver Sky Moore, safety Brian Cook, linebacker Leo Chanel from Wisconsin, and a bunch of dudes. Man, if it wasn't for Chanel, I'd hate their draft. (laughs) Chanel, I think, is a very underrated linebacker. How did this team blow it versus the Bengals, right? 21-3 lead. Late in the first half, it's just kind of like a mix of choking and the Bengals just making great adjustments. It really was. Just like we saw in Cincinnati earlier that year. Cincinnati got them two times last year, which I find very interesting. But anyways, I I think it's time to ask the question, what happens when you pay your quarterback over 500 million bucks? Well, you see it. You, You lost the rest of the team, you know. Um the Tyreek Hill loss is overstated in the market, I believe. But when you add up all the other guys, it, it could spin out of control some. I do like how the Chiefs did get their offensive line together last year, though. And that plus Mahomes plus Kelsey it, it can get you pretty far in life. <laughs> um, I, I think that it, this could be the same kind of thing you saw last year, coming in weak and then ending up strong. But I also think that this team, like I said, with Chanel there, maybe their draft wasn't as bad. Maybe uh, George Karolaftis could uh, turn out to be something. Maybe some of the guys they got uh, at receiver make up for uh, Tyreek Hill a little bit. The big issue is really their schedule is very, very, very hard. It is the worst in the league when it comes to forecasted win totals. And that's how we look at schedules. The Chiefs. Have only three easy games this year against Houston, Jacksonville, and Seattle. The rest are all hard. My number, 9.51 wins. I'm going to lean to the under. (sighs) Being at 10.5, the market's kind of not loving them anyway, right? And it it was... I might take it. This is one that I might take under, but I haven't quite decided yet. Their power rating, though... I have them as the sixth best team. I'm sorry, the fifth best team, 4.75 points better. The next one's the Baltimore Ravens I have than the Bengals. But I think that 
you know, the Chiefs are the Chiefs, and uh, you don't want to underestimate Patrick Mahomes. Number two, Los Angeles Chargers. Vegas win total 10, juiced to the over, minus 130. So they're kind of like close to where the Chiefs are from a market standpoint. 2021 wins, nine. Pythagorean wins, 8.87. Schedule medium at large at Cleveland, at Atlanta versus Miami. Schedule last year is medium hard. Key losses, linebacker Uchenna Nwasu. Defense tackle Justin Jones. Outside linebacker Kazir White. Right tackle Brian Bulaga. Defensive tackle Linval Joseph. Cornerback Chris Harris and tight end Jared Cook. Key additions, edge Khalil Mack. Cornerback J.C. Jackson. Defensive tackle Sebastian Joseph. Defensive tackle Austin Johnson. Tight end Gerald Everett. And safety Josh Harris. And inside linebacker Kyle Van Noy. Cornerback Bryce Callahan. Key draft picks. Guard Zion Johnson, safety JT Woods, running back Isaiah Spiller, and a bunch of dudes. What a bunch of guys these guys picked up here. Um, the Bolts, I mean, they didn't do a lot in the draft, but, I mean, massive offseason still with all the guys they grabbed. Shedding the bad defensive line was pretty good move, I think. Um, I like the experienced linebacker in Kyle Van Noy. And I think that they're going to stop the run better. You know, you, you have to assume that Sebastian Joseph and Austin Johnson there. Um, I think this team is, it's nice that they're getting a third place schedule at Cleveland, who's in shambles at Atlanta, who is garbage and Miami at home. What a fantastic setup for them. The second half of their schedule is pretty hard, though. Um, so here's the deal. You're going to have Tennessee at Indianapolis versus the L.A. Rams and at Denver. So the second half kind of has some tough games in a row. But the strategy is simple here to me. I think they're going to be around 7-2 at the halfway point of the season because of the easy schedule. could be 8-1, right? My number of season wins is 10.44, and it's sitting at 10 right now. Well, I think that you can take the over 10 and have some options later. Now, at 10.44, it's not usually a play to take over 10. I need at least a game and a half to take an over, a game to take an under, right? But... It's like the you guys got to look how the schedule balances out. It's ter- it's easy at the first and hard later, and you can bet season win totals now during the season. So once they're rolling, you can have an option of taking it back. So I do like the over ten wins here, and I think there's a good chance they're going to get over ten wins. But if you can get like a twelve and a half or something later in the season, sitting at eight and one or something, maybe a thirteen even. You're going to be in good shape. You're going to have a really nice chance at the middle. So my Chargers power rating is 2.75 points better than the average team, which is around 12th. I still don't fully trust, trust them, but I trust them more than some other teams that we're going to get into, like the Denver Broncos. Vegas win total 10 juice to the over minus 120. 2021 wins is 7. Pythagorean wins 8.84. Schedule is medium at large versus the New York Jets at Carolina and at Baltimore. Well, that's a fantastic schedule minus the Baltimore part. But their schedule last year was also easy. Coach 
key losses, Coach Vic Fangio, quarterback Teddy Bridgewater, quarterback Drew Locke, tight end Noah Fant, defensive end Shelby Harris, cornerback Kyler Fuller, Kyler, Kyle Fuller, inside linebacker Kenny Young, cornerback Bryce Callahan, defensive end Stefan Weatherly, cornerback Michael Ford, inside linebacker A.J. Johnson is not signed, right tackle Bobby Massey is not signed, defensive tackle Shamar Stevens not signed, and tackle Cameron Fleming is not signed. Key additions, coach Nathaniel Hackett, quarterback Russell Wilson, right? Do that big trade. Outside linebacker Randy Gregory, defensive tackle DJ Jones, cornerback Kate Quan Williams, guard Billy Turner, guard Tom straight out of Compton. Key draft picks, edge Nick Bonito, and tight end Greg Dulcich, and a bunch of meh, in my opinion. This team is hype city. Everyone is on the Russell Wilson train. But nobody seems to care that this team kind of gutted their defense and they got rid of their defensive coach, you know. Um, It's just, it's still an unproven coach coming in. He did have a few years under Matt LaFleur. I do like some of the pickups they made from the 49ers, but this defense only ranked 15th in EPA on an easier schedule last year. And I also do not like the fact that they had no top 63 draft picks when they lost Noah Fant, Shelby Harris, in that Seattle trade. I mean, this team's going to be under a lot of pressure. Um, And not that Russell Wilson isn't used to pressure, but, you know, to be quite honest, and it hurts me to say this as a Badger fan because we did have him for a year, and he does identify as a Wisconsin player as well as NC State, but he reps the Badgers a lot. I think he cares more about his social media and his image. I just feel that, in my opinion, the way he conducts himself. You know, maybe he also cares about winning, but with the amount he puts into the other thing, you have to question that a little bit. I I like the Broncos' fourth place schedule, but it did not do them many favors to play the Baltimore Ravens. This total is way too high. My number is eight point six two. Okay, and I am very, very close to playing this under, and I'm probably going to play the under when I get a chance. Denver's power rating, I have exactly where the Dolphins are, 0.5 points better than the average team until they show me they can play together as a team with a new coach. Number four, the Las Vegas Raiders. Vegas win total, 8.5 juice to the over, minus 120. 2021 wins, 10 wins. Pythagorean wins, (laughs) 7.34 At large, at New Orleans versus New England and at Pittsburgh. Last year was medium. Key losses, both coaches in Rich Bissaka and John Gruden. I can't believe that uh, they just keep moving on like that. I like what Rich did this year, personally. They got to the playoffs. Wide receiver Zay Jones, quarterback Marcus Mariota, cornerback Casey Hayward, wide receiver Henry Ruggs, obviously, in that tragedy. Defense tackle Quentin Jefferson, Cornerback Brandon Facian and cornerback Damon Arnett. Defensive end Carl Nassib and wide receiver Deshaun Jackson not signed. I don't see Deshaun Jackson being signed. Key additions, coach Josh McDaniels. Wide receiver Devontae Adams. Edge rusher Chandler Jones. Defensive end Bilal Nichols. Running back Brandon Bolden. Cornerback Anthony Everett. And a ton of low range dudes key draft picks 
guard Dylan Parnum, running back Zamir White, and defensive line Neil Farrell Jr. Lots to decipher here with the Raiders team. Let's start with the fact that they really overachieved last year by 2.66 games, according to that massive Pythagorean winning percentage. But this doesn't bode well with their schedule listed as hard and some very difficult at-large games there. Brutal. I mean, at New Orleans, New England, and at Pittsburgh, right? Um, the Rugs thing sucked. The Damon Arnett situation hurt them as well. They still made the playoffs, but they kind of... They kind of are that weird team that where they're the underdog, they really step it up, but unless it's, of course, Kansas City. But it seems like when they're expected to win, they don't. They were a really tough team to figure out betting for me over the last few years. I think I kind of made a, a few good bets on them last year, finally. But I don't think the Raiders get to eight or nine wins with that schedule. That new coach, Josh McDaniels. I know that, you know, he came back to the Patriots. Maybe he grew up a bit, but still a first-year team here. The Devontae Adams thing is cool, and I think that brings it with his college quarterback, Derek Carr. I believe they played at Fresno State, I want to say. I'm not 100% sure. I think it's Fresno. But um, this team, you can't trust them. Uh, but they will shock some teams just like they did at Dallas last year. Remember they went to Dallas and beat the crap out of them, just kind of caught them too high on themselves or something but i'm gonna lean under because i'm at 7.24 wins but i'm still at them at being a pretty average team i'm only leaning under it's because the hard schedule 7.24 wins but they're about a zero on my power ratings so i don't have a play being that the market is at 8.5 but i'm close to a play on the under on the raiders as well I think a couple of these teams are a little bit too high. So here's what we're going to do. And here's a bet they already made. And you might have already heard that when we had Ross Tucker on two weeks ago. I like taking the Chiefs to win the division at plus 175 and the Chargers at plus 250. Because if you blend those odds, you're actually getting about plus 112.5 for the best two teams to win the division. So I'm sticking with that play. But I I am going to come back and take this under on Denver. I think being at 10 is too optimistic. And I just see so many ways that this is going to go under. So we'll go under 10 at plus 100 for one star. You're going to need a bigger boat. All right. Now it's time to talk about a little UFC Vegas 58 for Saturday night. All right, let's get into a little UFC, and I know I called it Vegas 58, but they keep changing the names. I see UFC on ABC, I see UFC Long Island. There's just way too many names for this stuff, and they need to really thin it down. It's getting confusing at this point. Come on, UFC, you got to step your game up here. Anyways, great main event here. We have Brian Ortega versus Rodriguez, yeah, Rodriguez, and Rodriguez is a badass, but so is Ortega. As you know, Ortega has been in some massive fights. You remember the blood fest he went through with Volkanovski? He also went through a massive blood fest, in my opinion, against Max Holloway. The doctor had to stop it. He beat the Korean zombie 
by decision back in uh, October 17, 2020. That was a little bit surprising. So before that, he has some decent uh, wins. Clay Guida, Carniero, uh, Frankie Edgar. You know, I mean, he's been going through some guys and he's been uh, taking them out quickly. But obviously, he was in pieces after that Volkanovski fight. But Yair Rodriguez, 13-3 and himself, 29 years old. His last loss was to Max Holloway by decision. Then, then before that, he beat Jeremy Stevens. Uh, he also had another bout with Stevens, but it was a no contest eye poke. Uh, he beat the Korean Zombie too, an elbow late with four minutes and fifty nine seconds gone. One second left. He beats the Korean Zombie in two thousand and eighteen. Uh, Frankie Edgar before that he lost to. Okay, so he got Ortega beating Frankie Edgar. Here's the thing. I mean, there's a reason why Ortega is minus 160, minus 165. I think it's a proper line, you know? I think that you can see some weakness in Ortega, but you see some weakness in Rodriguez because when he's really stepped up to tier one fighters, I I guess, okay, the Korean Zombie probably tier one. So he did win one of those, but he lost to Holloway, which is top of the class, and then lost to uh, Frankie Edgar. The whole Frankie Edgar thing is the reason, also, I guess, Ortega's favorite. But there's another reason. These guys, Ortega's the BJJ black belt, right? Uh, he's can do the mat. He can do great stand-up fire, great striker as well. But Yar Rodriguez is uh, listed as a striker himself. But Rodriguez has the length, right? He can strike based upon his jab, which is going to give him a three-inch reach advantage. I think it's pretty important here. You know, he's got to keep Ortega honest here, keep him back 71 inches to 69. Okay, a two-inch reach. Uh, Ortega can fight any style, orthodox or southpaw. That's good. Rodriguez has a slight significant strike advantage, 4.65 to 4.15. Now, Rodriguez is the more accurate striker at 49.67%. But anytime Ortega can get gets in trouble, he can go for the takedown here. I don't think Rodriguez will get submitted though. I mean, Rodriguez has went a long time in his career without getting submitted. You know, Ortega, thirty-one years old, fifteen and two. He lost by KO once, and he lost by decision once, and obviously both recently. Um, Rodriguez never got submitted. He lost by KO twice and one decision, but he hasn't. He lost by KO to Frankie Edward Edgar back in 2017. The problem with Rodriguez is that he only has one fight since 2019, October 18th, and that was to Max Holloway. So that's a pretty long stretch here, three years, one fight. And then even going back to 2021, November 13th, I mean, you're going back a, a distance here. I'm going to lean Brian Ortega. Um, I might use Ortega in a parlay. I'm going to dig a little bit deeper in. But what I do like right now for the price is minus 150 over three and a half rounds. I don't see either of these guys getting finished. Like I said, Yair Rodriguez has never been submitted. He just went the distance with Max Holloway. Max Holloway was the only crutch for Brian Ortega when those two fought earlier. So I'm going to like the over in this situation, over three and a half and minus 150. I think that price is great. I think it should be more than minus 200s. So we're going to do that for 1.5 stars. 
Now, I'm also going to give out another play here, so hold off on the sound bites here. The next play, actually, is in the very next fight. It's going to be Michelle Watterson versus Amanda Lamos. Now, looking at these fighters, Michelle Watterson, 18 and 9, Amanda Lamos, a little bit younger, 11, 2, and 1. But when I say a little bit younger, I also mean just by one year because she started fighting really late in her career. Actually, Michelle Watterson has fought probably 30% more fights. But here's the thing with this one. Lamos, better record, right? 11, 2, and 1, whatever. And Michelle Watterson, 18 and 9. Why way Watterson fights is that she needs to grapple. She has 9 wins by submission, only 3 by KO, and 6 by decision. Her losses are 1 by KO, 3 by submission, and 5 by decision. So it tells you that submission and decision is the way she gets beat. But Lamos... The way she fights, she doesn't submit. She's a striker. You know, it's funny. She's from Brazil, but she's not Brazilian jiu-jitsu per se. She is a striker. She's listed as a striker. Michelle Watterson's Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Now, uh, the way Amanda wins: seven KOs, two submissions, and two decisions. So mostly KOs. She's lost by KO and won by submission. But the thing with Lamos is that being a Brazilian, she's fought a lot of BJJ black belts herself. And has probably not susceptible to them, uh, just being that she is so good at it. One of her wins against Lavina Souza is against a BJJ black belt. Souza is pretty good, but Amanda Lemos eighty-eight percent takedown defense. That's massive. Okay, eighty-eight, and this is in the women's straw weight. So you're looking at one hundred fifteen pounds. This is probably going to decision. But looking at the significant strikes, land per minute, 5.14 for Lamos, 3.57 for Watterson. More accuracy for Lamos, plus she's pretty decent on the mat if that happens. I like Lamos by decision. Michelle Watterson doesn't lose by KO. Amanda Lamos rarely loses by submission. This one's going to decision. And in my opinion, it's going to be the volume fighter because this is women's MMA. You're going to get a good price on this one. I see it right now at plus 100. Amanda Lamos by decision at plus 100. I like this one a lot. We're going to do this one for two stars. It's just swimming with bow-legged women. All right, my friends. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Odds Breakers. If you have any questions for me, feel free to tweet me at OBGev or tweet us at The Odds Breakers. Have a great rest of your week. Enjoy all the fights. Enjoy all the games. And go get some winners.